0: Welcome to The Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero! live and I'm really excited to introduce today's guest. On today's episode I interview a musician, a meme creator, an herbalist, a graffiti artist, poet, and a tin foil hat extraordinaire. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Derek K.
1: <laughs> so, how's it going? So,
0: I'm doing great. Um it's been a while since we last connected in person. I remember meeting you at a yoga festival where you were teaching at, so you performing during a yoga nidra class, and it was like a really beautiful experience for me. Um, and I was kind of discussing before this con- the way I hit record, that the goal of these conversations is to really uplift, inspire, and empower others um, to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in themselves on the hero's journey ahead. And you've lived yourself quite a hero's journey, many. Um, and you're <laughs> currently in Perta Vaerta um, on a new chapter of your life. And the first question I'm going to ask to set things up, set us up on a good note is a really positive one. And that is Derek, what do you love about your world right here, right now? Not about the external world, the external chatter, but what do you love about your personal
2: world?
1: I am doing what I love for a living, like right now. And I just realized that three days ago because I play music for a living. And when I first got here too, I found my way into a talent competition where I'm going to be playing my own original music. And it's kind of like an American idol thing. Yeah. And then I slowly found my way to a local place that does ayahuasca and mushroom hikes. Well, they do mushroom hikes, like up the river to a waterfall. And they've asked me to come along and play music on those hikes. And also for an ayahuasca ceremony, which is taking place this Sunday. So... That's the first time I'm even gonna be in the presence of an ayahuasca ceremony. I've never drank ayahuasca before. So it's very interesting that the first time I'm actually gonna be around it is to be of service and playing music to other people who are having journeys. Yeah. So I'm doing everything that I want to. And yeah, i never noticed that until three days ago. I'm like, oh wait, I'm doing everything I ever wanted. So this is cool. Mm
2: -hmm. That's
0: beautiful. So let's talk about what led you to Puerto Verta. What brought you to this place, this, this mysterious land where you're now doing all the things that you've <laughs> always
1: wanted to do? Well, I got connected to the band that I'm playing with uh, through a mutual friend. The band is called The Lost Dudes, and we, we've been playing like kind of like 90s and early 2000s uh, music, cover songs at different like pubs and bars and around PV and then we play out in Sayulita as well. And uh, I I got connected to them through a mutual friend and they needed a singer. So they said, hey, do you want to come down here and sing in a band for a living? So I said, yeah, (laughs) yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And how long ago was that, that you moved down to
1: Puerto Verde? Well, I got here on October 1st. So I've been here for just over three months.
0: Okay. So did you get there from Flin Flon? Cause I remember, r- remember watching something on social media of you, like kind of saying, I'm moving away from Flin Flon, trying to get rid of all your possessions, get yeah. rid of some of your plants. So did you go, it was from Flin Flon to um, Puerto Vallarta?
1: Yep. Yep. I ended up, um, yeah, just selling most of my stuff and well, at least a good portion of my stuff and then stored the rest of it. And yeah, got a got a flight and flew down and now I'm living here.
0: <laughs> one one question that I asked all guests at the start of these conversations
1: is about their mission,
0: their personal mission here in this reality plane. So not you're missing it as a musician or as a friend or son or uh whatever, as um
2: all the different roles, all the
0: different hats we play. Um, right. what is your overarching mission and all that you do?
1: I say this uh, a lot of the time, but like at the end of my life, I just want to make sure that I've put more stones on the side of the scale, which makes things good as opposed to bad. Like just like in terms of, you know, universal harmony, like local and non-local, just like the whole thing. Like I just want my presence and my existence here to be, uh, Mm -hmm beneficial or positive in some way like moving things towards a greater uh good
0: and what gets in the way of
1: that oh god so many things (laughs) like mostly like attachments like ego you know desire lust like yeah there's all kinds of things that steer me in directions that i shouldn't go in and you know i have that voice inside of me that says, like, hey, maybe this is not a good idea. Or, but it's hard to sometimes it's difficult because sometimes that voice isn't your conscience, it's fear. Or it's uh, you know, yeah, sometimes it's just fear. Yeah, so for th- sure.
0: Those are two things that we discuss on in these conversations. The first is resistance, and author mm-hmm. Stephen Preston, he describes resistance as that negative force in the world that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams. Um, mm. And that's the thing that keeps us in bed or from going to perform a music show or saying no to that invite from your friends to go work as a singer um, in Perta Vallerta. It's that voice that tells you all the reasons you shouldn't go. Oh, you're yeah. not good enough or blah, 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 mm. blah, blah. Um, so let's talk about that one first. Resistance. Sure. What are your strategies at overcoming resistance and how
1: does it appear in your life? Hmm. Yeah. Resistance. Like, could you give me an example maybe?
0: Yeah. So say you have to go to the gym and then you just decide to stay in bed.
1: Oh oh, man. Usually I'll, sometimes I'll catch myself like even today. Granted I was up till 3am last night after playing music late and had a full day before that. I wake up usually the same time, anyways. So I was really tired. So I was like, you know, what, I'm just gonna lay in bed, and I did. I laid in bed for most of the day, and then I was like, I'm gonna go. I just kind of get this feeling where I'm like, yeah, like I just get like frustrated, and I like finally I just like get up, you know. Whether I'm being like hit, feel like I'm like entranced by my phone, or mostly it's usually just the phone. It's like the, the comfort of the bed mixed with the being given entertainment like endlessly. It, like it's a to like a double threat kind of thing so Mm -hmm. but i I guess i just get frustrated with the feeling of being there because i start to feel like anxious like this feeling of like why am i just sitting here like what am i like what am i doing it's it's yeah it's frustration i guess i think that gets me out of those funks Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so would it be the same thing another example would be um you have a song in your heart that you're wanting to write or to play but resistance keeps you from doing that uh, and maybe that it's like you're yeah, you stay in bed or you go out and, and hang do something else like you just you avoid writing that song you you avoid putting your pen to paper
1: honestly when it comes to the songwriting process like it comes very very naturally to me like there's it feels like there's no effort involved like it feels like something that just comes through me and then it's it exists and every time it does i feel compelled to just write it down or i feel compelled to figure out what it is on the guitar like i'm actually like genuinely interested in it or you know it could be something like where i'll have one part of a song and i'll be inspired to create that part and then four or five six years later i'm still like i'll get the rest of it or you know what i mean like something that makes it like whole And to me, part of that has to do with um, it being a very natural and authentic process because one thing I've kind of learned about doing music and art in general is in today's world, you're forced to try and commodify things and make money from them or get something out of them, whereas people have been playing music for thousands of years and if you were a musician a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago you played a song around a fire or whatever if you were just banging a drum and singing you'd probably be doing it with other people for one thing but even if you were doing it by yourself like that was the end of it you know what I mean that situation that circumstance playing the song and then it's done but now it's like you gotta make a song, then you got to record it. Then you got to get a video and then you got to try and get like attention for it. You got to get a record deal or you got to get it on YouTube or get it on Spotify and get all these views. And it just takes it beyond what it actually just fundamentally is. And I feel like a lot of the best music is something that was created naturally, but then someone caught that um, magic, you know what I mean? Just happened to catch it. Yeah, so, I totally agree.
0: So let's um explore the origin stories of your journey uh, to music and art. When did music and art find their way into your life, and how did you keep that? How do you keep that fire stoked?
1: Um, I would say, well, I started playing guitar when I was fourteen, and I probably started singing along to songs at that time as well. And I liked drawing too when I was really young, but. It was when I was 18 years old, um, when I started um, smoking cannabis, actually, that really, like, reinvigorated the ability for me to just sit down and actually focus on something and be interested in doing it. Because I would find myself kind of just over encumbered with thoughts about I have to do this and I have to do that and all these feelings and and when I could just like have a have a hoot and go sit down and play guitar like that's what I was doing and that's all that mattered to me so a lot of my songs (laughs) you know not not to be like you have to smoke weed to make music or make songs but a lot of my art and stuff came from uh, those experiences.
0: I was also curious, uh, interested to find out like you're not only interested in art and music, you actually are very passionate or you were very passionate about film and you actually went to film school and then you ended up dropping out. But let's talk about that part um, as we just kind of explore the early phases
1: of your music and art and um, the role of film. Sure. Uh, when I was really young, I had my dad's, you know, those big rca cameras like the big black ones that you put a vhs tape in my dad had one of those so i used to make videos and try to edit them as you were filming them so i'd have to shoot everything linearly so say the start of the the video or the movie was at the beginning so you had to film that scene first stop recording and then set it up and and like i would make stuff like that And then I ended up working at a gas station when I was 15 years old and I saved up $1,000 and I bought myself a camcorder because I needed that in order to upload the clips onto the computer so I could edit them with Windows Movie Maker, which was like a rudimentary editing program that came with um, uh, like Windows, I think XP or 2000, whatever we had. And that's when I started just making music videos for songs. Actually, one of the things I did was I made a music video for a song called The Pass by Rush. And it's a song that deals with, um, I guess, suicide and um, encouraging somebody who's in that circumstance to try and uh, see the light, to, to move forward instead of succumbing to those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I made a music video of that, and I sent it to Russia's record label, and a fellow that worked there named named Andy Kern. I believe his name was. He actually wrote me a letter back, and he sent me an autographed uh, uh, disc, and he wow. gave me something. Yeah, yeah, man, it was it was really cool. He sent me that uh, disc and some encouraging words, and I went on for another, you know, for the rest of my high school life like anytime there was a video project I would do that for you know any like in English class my teachers were really cool about it they would give me the option to make a video or even history class like to make a video so I did that and I ended up going to uh, the University of Regina to go into their film program I didn't even technically enter the film program as much as I took all the electives of the first year to kind of like be eligible for the film program the next year. So I was taking like psychology and English classes plus uh, three or four different film classes. So but by the time I got there, like I found myself in my room kind of just disillusioned with the idea of uh, film at all, because I was already doing stuff that was to me a lot funner because I was learning it on my own and doing it at my own pace. Whereas there it was like, you have to use our cameras and you have to use our equipment and you have to go to this guy to schedule when you're going to pick up the camera. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me at all, man. Like I'm not doing that. Like.
0: That's hilarious. It's funny how things come full circle because now you're recording music videos. You're back making film. But you know, yeah. it's u- using kind of your comedy, your your art, your music. It's all all in one um, right. on your Instagram at Conscious Conscious Meats. Yeah, and which has been super fun to follow along with. Um, so it's it's funny how things come full circle.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it actually is really really weird, and because you know when I was in university, I when I first started playing like music again. I didn't believe in myself at all, even writing lyrics. Cause I remember I started writing my first poem. I remember sitting there thinking like, I'm not good enough to write a poem. Like I'm not smart enough to write a poem. I don't read. I'm not super, I, I'm not super literate. I don't read a lot. I don't write a lot. Well, actually I did write a lot. Like growing up, I used to write just to myself, but it was just something I just never believed I could do. And that's where I started doing it. And that's when I guess my interest in music kind of started going like this.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the first, thing, the first step there that I heard is to start. Um, and yeah. that's a, a step that often people don't, don't do, even though it's very simple. Um, you just need to get started. It doesn't matter how good that writing is or how good that music is going to be. Just start. And then that momentum is going to propel you as it did yourself. Right. Um, so this podcast is called Welcome to the Winner Circle. And a winner to me is someone that moves forward um, towards their dreams. And they embrace the process of that over the destination. We live in a very destination oriented society. When I get this amount of money or when I get this car, or when I get this job, this house, this relationship, etc., then I'll be happy. Then we get there. Maybe there's a momentary or temporary dopamine spike. And then it's always that a feeling of now what we met. We've missed the sweetness of the song. And that's the process. That's the winning. Um, and just by getting started as you did, um, getting started just, and even, or just by believing yourself, even just a little bit, you're winning, you're moving forward. You're embodying that, which you already are. Um, to me, that's what winning is. What does
2: winning mean to you, Derek? And what does winning in your life look like for you today?
1: I think, I don't know. It could be a lot of things. It could be being healthy, you know, having good people in your life, family and friends. Enough money to feed yourself and have a roof over your head. Um, being able to do the things that you love.
2: Uh, I think
1: winning is living an honest life too. Um, not... Having a feeling like you're living a lie. That's, mm-hmm. that's definitely important to me because I've done that and that's not fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that answer. It's been one, it's one of my favorite answers. I've, I've asked this over 120 times now. And that's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite answers. And thank you for that. Um, Another question that follows up that, that one is a celebration. Um, and everything I know about you, you're a very humble guy, and I want to give you opportunity to cel- to celebrate. Um, and let's discuss some of your biggest wins. What are some of your biggest wins? What are some accomplishments that you've
2: made along the way that you're most proud of? I worked at a school as a mentor back home. Mm-hmm and i had a good relationship with the
1: students and one of them was inspired enough to begin playing guitar and he actually got quite good i don't know if he still plays or not but that was pretty cool to inspire you know a youth to do something that i love
2: yeah
1: um trying to think man there's there's so many things it's weird the word accomplishment because i feel like i don't i feel like i'm not even responsible for the good things that i do sometimes Mm -hmm. you know like i'm kind of just living life and then good things happen sometimes (laughs) And I, i feel like i'm not in control so i feel weird like uh but what are the cool things that i've done
2: um I worked in the downtown East side in Vancouver for five months, and
1: That was very intense. and the people that work there are basically, you know, a lot of them are the, some of the toughest people I've ever met in my life, because they're dealing with such a very dark and intense environment not always you know there's there's levity and there's there's goodness and there's light there too but it's very intense and dark and it's often very dirty and me just being able to experience that i don't know if it's an accomplishment but it was just for me i guess overcoming being very afraid in those circumstances and having to deal with certain people who were very, very hostile towards me and maintaining uh, my own integrity and not lashing out at them or 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 being negative back to them, like being, you know straight up screamed out in the face and feeling that in my nervous system, but coming back with uh, a very peaceful sense and then seeing them like change and realizing like, oh, like he's not like, you know what I mean? Like almost like they were expecting me to come back at them with what they were giving me and that was normal. So maybe that's what I feel best about is my ability to have patience and uh, empathy in the face of hostility. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful.
0: I think another huge win of yours is living in Puerto Vallarta right now. <laughs> um, lo- like loving your life, right? Like playing with the lost dudes. I appreciate uh, the levity. Playing with the lost dudes but right now. <laughs> entering talent competitions. Um, playing music for an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, playing music yeah. for these mushroom hikes. Let's You're get right more. It. That's pretty all pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's Let's
0: pretty cool. It. Let's talk about the plant medicines. Um, sure. I remember when you were leaving Flint flan, you have these videos posting, like you're trying to get rid of some furniture, some cool stuff. Like you're kind of getting rid of some of the, the stuff that you mentioned. You had put some in storage, um, but you're trying to get rid of some stuff, including your cactus, your cactus collection, of San Pedro cactus. Let's start there.
1: Yeah. Um, uh... When I lived in Vancouver, I worked at a store called the Urban Shaman, which was a hole in the wall at the back of the Mark Emery's cannabis culture. Mm-hmm. And they had, um, we sold San Pedro cuttings and peyotes, little babies. Okay. So at that point, I had taken some of those home. I had bought some, but actually, I drank San Pedro with my cousin, who's actually a practicing ayahuascar in Peru
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that I had that experience with her when I first moved there. And then I found myself working at the Urban Shaman, bought the cuttings. And from there, it went from one cutting to having 118 cactuses in my closet with a grow light.
0: 118 cactuses. Okay. So, let's, something like that. Let's hit pause for a second. And sure. like, like, could you just, um, I'm not too familiar with um, San Pedro peyote if they differ. So just for everyone else, it's not um, up to speed. Um, sure. Yeah, let's 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 get there first.
1: Okay. Uh, so San Pedro, Peruvian Torch, and peyote are all mescaline containing cacti, and. They are used in ceremonial contexts by I couldn't even give you the names of the indigenous tribes, and uh, I think they I think they call the shamans that work with peyote, peyote here Huichol Huichol. I I'm I'm saying it wrong, but uh, basically, San Pedro contains the least amount of mescaline, whereas peyote contains the most. And normally, or the way that at least I was taught to do it is the way that is it is done traditionally. Is you would fast the night before, beginning say at like 9 p.m., and then wake up in the morning, maybe have a little bit of water, and then you would drink the cactus by 9 p.m. And it's got the consistency when you when you prepare it. It's like a, almost like aloe vera, but it tastes like bitter and salty and ingest it, you know, sing the Icaros or meditate for a bit as it begins to come on. And it lasts for eight to 12 hours actually, but it's a very slow, gradual, like, like even humped kind of climb and like very slow, gradual uh, come down.
2: Okay, so
0: you fast um, starting from 9 p.m. onwards and then the next morning you drink it in the morning at 9 a.m.? Or right, yeah. In the morning yeah and then, then last most of the day right yes yes so what's the high like and like what's the benefit of this these mescaline containing cacti
1: cactus is heart medicine and it opens up for me at least it opened up uh, uh a childlike sweetness that i've that i feel like kind of got buried over through life experiences, adolescence, and, uh, you know, adulthood, but it really opened up this, this childlike sweetness and reverence and genuine love for myself and the world and everybody. So I found myself just becoming a lot more appreciative of just everything and reverent for everything. Also, I just want to say my battery's at 10%.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe you could take off your head headphones
1: and plug it in because
0: sure. um, this I'm sure the sound will be fine because this is a great conversation. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose you. Um, so now that we have a bit of history about San Pedro, um, Peyote, what was the other one? There was a one in between there. There's a San Pedro something and the Peyote cactus what was the second oh, cactus. Peruvian torch. Peruvian torch. Okay. Peruvian Torch. So, you got introduced to these when you were working in Vancouver at the Urban Shaman. Um, you bought your first cutting there, and by the time you left, you came home back to Flint's and you had 118 growing in your closet.
1: Well, I had, I only had, I only had actually three or four when I first got back. But from the three or four cuttings, I they grow off little shoots yeah. and then you cut them and, and repot them. So, it yeah. just it's like it they multiply rather quickly
0: amazing and then so how do you take it from the cacti form into the mescaline into the medicine how do you how do you
1: make how do you make that
0: transformation how do you make that
1: well it depends on how you prepare it because some people you know do the whole lab thing where they separate mescaline and that's Illegal. I I don't suggest anybody does that. Actually, preparing mescaline at all is is illegal. So I may or may not have actually done this at all. But um, (laughs) but uh, but uh, you would take the outer skin, yeah, and dry it, and then grind it into a powder. Or at least this is how I got it. And I've never actually prepared it from cactus itself. I just learned this from studying and watching videos. Yeah, And you take that powder, add some water. I like to add lime juice to it just because I find lime juice acts as a sort of like pre-digestive kind of catalyst for the medicine to become more bioactive, particularly with mushrooms. But um, I add it into the cactus as well. And you kind of like cook it in a saucepan on like not boiling, but like a light heat so that the powder becomes hydrated again, because when cactus becomes hydrated, it's kind of like one of those um, those uh, it's like a consistency of aloe vera, but it's like those little dinosaurs when you put water on them and they get yeah. huge
2: ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Okay,
0: yeah. so um, that is how you prepare. So
1: San Pedro
0: peyote. Peruvian, uh, what's it called? Peruvian what?
1: Peruvian torch.
0: Torch. So those are cacti, but they're illegal in Canada or like like how do you like, yeah. Are they illegal and why are they illegal for? Um,
1: sorry. In Canada, they're actually legal for cultivation. You can have them, you can plant them, you can sell them, you can, you know, reproduce them. You can even have Technically, you can even have dried cactus. Yeah, but if you have it, you have to be able to prove that it's um, that it's not like. Um, basically, once you start crossing the line to, you're consuming this or you're selling it as a uh, to be consumed, then that's when you get into trouble. Otherwise, it's 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 clear to go.
0: Very interesting. Um, it just like kind of how cannabis was made illegal, but now it's, now it's legal. I, have a feel that these are all be decriminalized in time. And the reason why they're criminalized doesn't make any sense. Um, that's a conversation for another time. Um, so we've, we've kind of got into the, um, San Pedro, um, the peyote, the Peruvian torch and the benefits it's had on you. How often does someone consume like that like Jen if you're using it as a medicine like you you take you fast you take it in the morning and is this something you do regularly or like how is mescaline um used well
1: for for me I think it depends on what your purposes are and what you what kind of you intuitively need yeah or maybe what someone who you trust who has experiences with the medicine thinks you need, because I find, you know, if I take, say, any psychedelic one day, and then if I were to do it the next day, or even the next day, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel like as, as special. It's like if you're getting high all the time, like smoking weed all day and every day, all night, every day. It just doesn't, it, it, feel like, it feels like it doesn't work, like it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. But for me at the time, I was dealing with candida overgrowth and severe candida overgrowth. And what I actually learned by studying uh, cactus and consuming like the way that I prepared or that it was prepared is that it actually has like an anti-fungal, anti well candida properties.
0: that's so cool that's so cool how the the medicines for our bodies are, are simple we don't need these these chemicals and all these over medications um over the countertop where we can get it right from our earth and it's really beautiful um so let's talk about the other plant medicines that have a notable effect on your life you you mentioned how cannabis has helped you creatively um the benefit of um san pedro and peyote on your journey what are some other plant medicines that have benefited you
1: definitely mushrooms for sure mushrooms was actually the first well other than yeah mushrooms was the second sort of plant medicine that i had taken but the first time i did it i would not suggest doing it the way that i did it i kind of made it out of that with by the skin of my teeth Okay. And it was really one of those situations that I got exactly what I needed, but it was, things could have went wrong. So, but it was beneficial. I I went into it with um, three other friends and I think we had had about four grams each or three and a half grams each. And we were all 19 at the time and this was our first time ever taking mushrooms none of us had done it before all of us had just smoked a bit of weed and i had been watching the well the bill hicks documentary where he talked about how him and his friends would have to go to his ranch and they would take mushrooms and this one time they did it it was during some sort of uh, planetary alignment or, or equinox And they all had a shared vision where they were walking onto a spaceship and this voice came to them and told them, uh, the boundaries of space and time are all in your mind. And we all are one and everything is one. And I was like, man, that sounds like really cool, but I just couldn't grasp it. You know, I was hearing all the spiritual people talk about like, oh, we're all one and everything's one. And I just didn't know what it meant. You know what I mean? It, It just seemed so, uh like abstract to me. Like I, I, I wanted to know what it meant. So anyway, we go to my friend's cabin in November and it's cold. We have a little space heater, so it's like pretty chilly. And anyone who does like, even like for me, smoking weed, I find if I'm cold, I'm going to be even colder. So I was like, we're going to take a little bit. We're going to see how we feel. And then we're going to, let things progress and then my one friend was like man what if we came all this way did all this planning and then it doesn't work because we don't take enough so he throws back like a whole handful the other two follow suit and then i'm just like oh man (laughs) like okay i guess we're doing this and yeah what ensued was this you know me trying to hold on to reality as desperately as possible and. You know, over the last eight or nine years, I've learned what, I learned what was going on in that situation through, you know, uh, Dr. Robin carhart harriss work, where he talked about how the, the, I think it's the prefrontal cortex or the part that's responsible for your ego or your sense of self or self-identification. The, the mushroom actually re- reduces blood flow to that part of your brain. So your sense of individual self gets lost And then that's where you meld into the oneness of everything that exists. And I didn't know that was happening. I thought I was just dying because everything that I knew and understood was like dissolving before me. And even the walls, you know, it kind of, it all kind of just turned into a mesh of the same thing where like feeling and vision and, and smell were all just, kind of deleted but neutralized. Ooh. And I wound up being on the floor in the fetal position, just rocking back and forth until my friend kind of snapped out of it and was like, this is gonna end. And then I was like, keep saying that, man. Keep saying that. And he's like, it's this is gonna end. We're just on a, we're just on a mushrooms right now. And it turned around to where all of us were sitting together and just saying, like what was like truly like on our hearts and on our minds, and you know, being closer together than we ever have been, being honest with each other about our insecurities, and uh, and then I even that's when that when I had the realization of the oneness because when my friend was talking, before he even said anything, I knew what he was gonna say, and I knew what he was feeling. And then I realized, oh, that's it. Like, we're separate bodies, maybe separate souls, but we're all, everything is interconnected into one thing and we are the same thing. So that was what came out of my first mushroom experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what advice do you have for people? Um curious. Maybe they have not had a mushroom ceremony. Maybe they're curious by what you talked about um, with the San Pedro or with the cannabis and what's, what's your word of caution for people wanting to explore different realms um, via the use of plant medicine and psychedelics?
1: I think being cautious is very, very, very important. There's a potential for bad things to happen, you know, and that's something that needs to be understood as well as, you know not being so afraid that you ne- maybe don't want to do it at all if you feel like it's something that you want to go for so many years on the internet you know whether it's maps or it's like a company like Theracil, or you know even just listening to old terence mckenna uh or dennis mckenna talk or you know even even listen to Ram Das's stories about taking mushrooms. There's so many resources out there that people could could learn from. But the the general rule is set and setting, you know, do it, do it, do it when you feel you're ready. Uh, mm-hmm. do it in a place that feels safe where you have access to somebody who's maybe done it before who can look after you and take care of you and you know maybe even help you work through difficult feelings that might come up you know because i wish i wish i had an understanding and i had the tools that i have now then so that i could deal but you know that's just how my life worked out you know
0: it's all happening for you
1: right so, the number one rule is like start low and go slow start low and go
2: slow. yeah
0: for sure so Um, of the tools you say you have now, what are the main tools that you have with you on your journey that you've cultivated along the path?
1: Breathing, breathing and meditation are the, are the two biggest ones and the ability to ground myself or, you know, bring myself up if I want to, you know, depending on what's necessary for the time being. But I think a lot of what people are dealing with today is they're not grounded because a lot of people talk about having depression or anxiety or whatever. And a lot of that is dietary. A lot of that is just not moving. And a lot of that is laying in your bed until noon, looking at your phone instead of going outside and doing something, you know? So, but being able to, to ground and understand that you are the earth, and reconnecting with it is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. So what are some ways that you
1: ground? You connect with the physical earth? Yeah, like literally take your shoes off and go out to where there's grass or, you know, water or, you know, even rocks. And and literally just touch the ground and and breathe. Breathe and focus on bringing tension from your head or your throat and chest, which is usually where people feel that anxious energy, or at least that's where I feel it and try and bring it down and bring your focus down to the earth. And usually for me, that, that helps and that works. But I mean, say for instance, you're on a psychedelic, like you might, you might might not even have that option. Like it might just be your, your, you, You took the ticket. So you're flying on the, you're, you're going.
2: (laughs) I'm on
1: drugs. This will pass. I'm on drugs. This will pass.
2: It's
1: a
0: good little keyword there.
2: Um,
0: okay. So along the way you've met many helpers and mentors, let's take a moment to acknowledge some of these people. Maybe they were mentors that you met in person, or maybe they're people that you met, um, through kind of online or whatever, like, or books like Dennis McKenna, Terrence McKenna, Ram does. So who are some of the mentors and helpers that have made a notable impact on your life? Who were they? And what were your main takeaways you learned from them that you've incorporated into your being?
1: Oh man, there, there's so many people. I'm not gonna remember all of them. And I feel like I feel like if I try to name them, I'm gonna miss one out and then I'm gonna feel bad. But, okay. uh, oh man where do i even start like so many men like like teachers teachers even in high school uh people that i've worked for at at different jobs that maybe i didn't even necessarily like um well shannon for one she was she was definitely a huge 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 um catalyst for um my spiritual growth she exposed me to, to so many different things um Trying to think like direct and indirect mentors. I'm I'm blank, I'm blanking, but there's so there's so many, man. There's there's so many.
0: Yeah, so maybe let's redirect this question. So rather than name a person, what were the common traits among all these mentors and helpers? What was the commonality that amongst them all that had helped
1: you? Honestly, most of them were women, strangely enough. And that's something that was really uh, a a point of resistance for me, just from experiences that I had when I was younger. So the fact that most of my guidance in a lot of ways has come from women and a lot of the people that have been in my life as mentors were women is, has been a very interesting thing for me to uh, kind of not come to terms with, but just notice i suppose like it it mm-hmm. seems like it was something that was intentional by forces greater than i can understand
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that is very interesting
2: and yeah. through
0: these through these mentors and helpers through these women um you've learned about love um also through the plant medicines and just life experience you've learned about love what does that word mean to you
2: love love means
1: or i would say making decisions or acting in ways that are honest and beneficial to the highest good
0: mm-hmm. and what is the highest good
1: oh man that, that that's a, that's for each person to feel in themselves i think you know, whatever your conscience is telling you, because there's, there's a lot of times where I'll have my conscience nagging me and I know that what the right thing to do is. And to me, making that decision is love. And even if that decision might hurt somebody else's feelings, to me, it's that other person can't understand why I'm feeling the way I do. And if I make the decision to act on what behalf of what I feel is the highest good or what is true and honest, like, you know, cause you get that feeling in your gut where it's just like, like, I, I, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. Or like, this has to be different. Or I have to make this decision. And maybe you don't want to cause it's uncomfortable and it's hard and maybe it's going to cause you stress but you choose to make that decision or do that thing anyways. And maybe it causes fallout in, in different ways, but ultimately helps reality and life to calibrate to a truer and more solid foundation based on truth.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: a piece of this is uh, something you spoke to you about earlier is a is letting go. It's the letting go of attachments, of ego, of
2: desire.
0: How have you, how have you gone about letting go of all these things? A
2: continued process, of course.
1: A lot, a lot of the times I feel like I'm forced into it. Like, even if I don't do it on my own, Mm -hmm. you know, so. A lot of the, the the meditation helps being able to sit and breathe and actually just deal with those feelings mm-hmm. like let's say you like broke up with somebody and you're having feelings where it's like oh my god i missed this person and i missed this and i missed that but you know in your heart that it's something that maybe you shouldn't be doing or it and you could come up with all these reasons as to why you should and you want to go back and all that stuff but for some reason there's just this feeling it's like no this is not it i have to move forward you know, meditating and, and, and feeling those feelings or finding yourself something else to do can help you process that and kind of come to a higher, like pull in the the higher wisdom so that you're not thinking or acting from, uh, uh, what your ego or your body or whatever else might want. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Um, another thing I wanted to
1: circle back on is you
0: talked about how in the past you were living a lie and how did you come to terms with that? And
2: how did you move forward forward? How did you bring awareness to that lie? I think it would,
1: I'm, this is going to sound like kind of somewhat Pompous, but like I feel like I'm I'm all I'm I'm really self-aware a lot of the time, but I feel like I'm really, really bad at making the right decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I feel like I I always like I always know, but I have all this other stuff in my brain that tries to rationalize why I should stay doing the thing that I'm doing. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Maybe I'm not working. Maybe I'm working a job that I don't like, or I'm doing something that I don't like. That's that doesn't align with my my heart and my soul.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I could keep continuing to do that, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know how to explain it further than that.
0: Well, I think you did. And it's
1: to uh, not listen
0: to the mind and those thoughts. That's not us. And it's the tuning, tap to that which is true. And that is our heart. And that is our soul. Yeah. And you've already brought us uh, a few ways it's to get there. Breath, meditation, but also creativity, music. I feel those writing, poetry. I think those have all been direct avenues to your heart. And out, out of that head, out of those thoughts. Right. Um, A few more questions before we conclude this conversation. Um, First, I just want to re examine fear. Um, So many people are crippled by fear. They find themselves at the crossroads, that crossroads of should. I should do this um, because of what my parents have told me is right, or this is what society shows is right, or culture. And then there's the must. That's the the calling of our soul. Mm-hmm. And so often people stay
2: stuck, they stay stuck
0: because of the fear of going against all those shoulds. Um, they don't they don't pursue their dream. They don't move to Puerto Verde. Um, <laughs> they don't sing their song. They say no to the opportunities. Um, to lead to lead cool adventures with the, for example, your ayahuasca thing coming up or the mushroom hike because of fear. What advice would you give to a fellow brother or sister on the path that find themselves right now at that crossroads, that crossroads where they're feeling that must in their heart, that must that they want to quit their job and, or that and pursue their passion for music or art, or they want to go travel, they have to take a yoga training. Um, but hear those voices, those those thoughts, those those should like you should do this from the parents or the teachers or from society from all based out of fear. What advice would you
1: give that person? I don't know if I have necessarily any advice because I feel like everything for me in my own life, like I've been very blessed, and I feel like everything just as kind of, I've just Mr. Magooed my way through everything. Like, 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 I don't feel like, I really don't like, even though I have those moments where I really feel those feelings, I, it, I don't know. Somehow it just always ends up working out. I don't know how.
0: I have a feeling it's vibrational, right? Um you, You
2: tap into
0: a vibe and you've attuned to a frequency and by embodying that frequency, the universe provides. So uh, I have a feeling that's, that's maybe where your success has come and just, you're just being true to yourself. And when you're being true to yourself when you're being authentic, the universe will always provide.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and I think, I've, I've lear- learned to become just not attached to any outcome as far as like getting anything, you know, even with this talent competition that I'm in, I've been so like almost disrespectfully nonchalant about it, you know, like almost disrespectfully, but really just kind of like, like I'm like a guy who forgets his keys everywhere. I'm Mr. Magooing my way through all of it. Like I'm blind. I feel like almost.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. yeah no it's, fun. it's a funny
1: imagery um <laughs> this
0: next question I, I, it's, i'm gonna it's gonna be really interesting to hear your response it's a really big question um it's, it's something i ask every guest as we close these conversations there's a few more um but there's three final questions and this is that point so the first of these three what has been the greatest life lesson you've learned on your past thus far, and it could be the greatest life lesson you feel called in this moment to share. It doesn't have to be the Mm. something so privileged what in the moment right here and right now, what has been one great life lesson that you've learned on that path that you wish to share to those listening in those tuning into this
1: frequency. Try to understand uh, yourself as much as you possibly can and try to understand other people as much as you possibly can. Because understanding other people and understanding yourself allows you to have empathy for others and yourself and allows you to love others and yourself. No matter what they've done, even the worst people that you could possibly think of, if you can try to understand how that person came to be, whether it's their genetic composition, the experiences they had growing up, you know, whether or not they were loved as a child, you know, it's easy to look at somebody who's, you know, on the street, um, you know, high on, on fentanyl, you know, with soil and just dirty and all that stuff. And it's easy to look at somebody like that and just be like, you know, almost just like go like that. But it's something made them become like that. You know, you look at a tree that's in the forest. And maybe it's small and it's not as tall and strong, but it's in the shade. And there's all these other massive, uh, maybe there's rocks in the way that are preventing it from from growing a certain direction. And nobody goes to that tree and is like, hey, that, that tree sucks. So, you know, it, it, I don't know, just try to understand people. Try to understand people and then you'll have empathy for them and empathy for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm very, very advice. The next question,
1: in three words,
0: how would you describe the experience you're having on this earth? It doesn't have to be a sentence, but just three words that describe the experience you're having on this earth, and you can elaborate on those words if you wish or not.
1: (laughs) The 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 first three words that came to my mind were, holy shit, man. (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit, man. Yeah, no,
0: that works. And that doesn't need any more explanation. All right. For our final question, um, we we played around with time. We've examined your past. We've examined your present. And now I'm gonna fast forward us in time. And we'll take a look at your future. We're gonna be sitting alongside an 85-year-old Derek K. Who mm-hmm. is this 85-year-old man? Where are you? Who are you surrounded by? what is the primary feelings embodied in that person in that being and what is the legacy that you left behind here in your time in this reality
1: holy man i know, i can't even imagine myself at 85 but i'll try 85 wow um presuming i'm in i'm in I think just something. I don't know, man. That's that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one. Eighty-five. That's so far out. How, would, feel? how are you how feel? Hopefully, hopefully, I'll have, uh, you know, either you know, transcended all my karma, and, and I'm just sitting there in the lotus position, and you know, or you know, or maybe I have like a a big family and there's a bunch of people running around and I'm kind of just sitting there contented, just looking at everything that's been created and being satisfied with having done the things that I've done. Or maybe I'll, you know, some crazy technological advancements will have happened by then and I'll just look like I do now, but 85.
2: Maybe.
1: <laughs> Maybe, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And
0: what is the legacy that you left behind?
1: Honestly, the only thing I really care about is just being honest and as loving as possible and having a net positive impact on the world. That's it you know it it doesn't like the one thing i think about is that i actually care about when you ask that is i record all my songs that's that's it i want to record all my songs and that's the only real goal that i have but beneath that is a i feel like is the real goal which is just leave net positive Mm
0: -hmm. Let's stay with this 85-year-old Derek one moment longer. Yeah. He's feeling content. He's satisfied. He's in a place of honesty, a place of love. He's recorded all his songs, and he's had yeah. a really net positive impact on this world. And I'm going to bring us back into that now. And sure. this 85-year-old, he comes back with us just for a moment, and he whispers something in your ear. What does that 85-year-old
2: Derek say to you today?
1: Hmm. You have no idea what you're gonna do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you have no idea where you're gonna go and what you're gonna do. And maybe that's just because that's how I w- what I would say to myself when I was 16 or 15, because then I couldn't have managed or couldn't have imagined that I would be where I am now. And I, I've done the things that I've done. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And yeah, as you mentioned at the start of the conversation where you are today, you realize three days ago, it's everything you've ever dreamed of um, has manifested and it's taken place. And I only wish that these this, continued, this continues in your time ahead. And it's been a true pleasure to have this conversation to reconnect um, for those wanting to connect with you. They can connect with you on Instagram at Conscious meet And um, from there, they have links to your YouTube page where you have such a great video. Just be kind. Your latest mu- music video, which is so fun, creative, beautiful, inspiring, all the good things. Um, any last closing words from you um, or where people could find you to close this conversation?
1: Oh, uh, no, nah, man. Just thanks for having me. And, you know, thanks for doing this, I really appreciate you just even taking an interest in me at all. <laughs> you know, like, that's awesome.
2: Cool. Yeah, well, I,
0: I, I see you. I see you, Derek. And you're spreading positivity, good vibes. And yeah, you, without question, you're leaving a that positive impact on my world. Um, I'm sure I'm happy to
1: be I'm happy others.
2: To be. Yeah.
0: To close every conversation, we bring our fist in together in unity, step into the winner's circle. Boom. <laughs> Thank you so much. And with that, that's a wrap.
1: All right, man. Peace. Thank you. <laughs>